Hello, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss the geeky things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I am your host. I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Tamar, Rosen- Tamar Rosenberg. That's your name now. Tamar Herman. They just, they just went straight together in my head. <laughs> Tamar Herman. Hi. And S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. Or S.M. Herman, or whatever. I don't know. It's only been ten episodes. I mean, like... So, my... I don't think you know, but my little sister is Sarah Herman. Oh, my God. So, that's, <laughs> that's definitely what I was thinking of. For sure. Absolutely. You stole my name. Yeah. It was not okay. So, this week, we are going to be having a really cool interview that's coming up soon. Um, and as we start to shift our focus toward the next big Jewish holiday, which is coming up way too soon, uh, even though the last one ended about two days ago. And it's also <laughs> snowing like crazy. Outside. <laughs> but it's not a blizzard. No, It is a blizzard. It's, it's a fake basically blizzard. a blizzard. I, it woke me up this morning, like with the ice hitting my window. Yeah. I was not pleased. Yeah, but. it might not be like an actual blizzard, but it is definitely blizzarding out there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of gross. Like, my my roommate went out, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> I think that's why my dad is not going to be going out tomorrow or Mincha or anything because snow. So he's available to be interviewed. Ah, <laughs> uh, segue. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> uh, but first, we're going to get into our weekly obsessions. Um, I'm going to go first this week because I can't not talk about this. Um, <laughs> last week, I was in California for a couple of days, and I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios for the first time ever. And Yay! oh my god, you guys! It was like I, 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 I'm a weird combination of like cynical, but also like when I get into something, I go into it like, like bright eyed and and clear hearted and all of that. And so I was kind of torn between the like those two parts of myself of like because I am a bright eyed, clear hearted Harry Potter fan, but I haven't seen the movies, and I do sometimes get a little bit like capitalism nausea in theme parks, you know. So I was a little bit wary, really excited, but wary. And it turned out to be every bit as magical as advertised. And Aww. it is just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's remarkable how much you feel like you're in that world and just, you know, without judgment and like without anything like interrupting the experience. I mean, like the... <laughs> Probably the the thing that interrupted the experience most was like the the ride, like the Hogwarts escape thing, like the big ride, which walking into like they have obviously, you know, like three hours worth of line built in, and we just walked right up because it was Monday in March, but um, it was amazing and and so cool to be in. It was like being in you know, like being in Hogwarts, but the ride itself made no sense. <laughs> so like. Hagrid, Frida Dragon, and Harry's in his Quidditch robes on his broomstick, and you're flying around, and it's like, oh, and then there's Dementors, and then the Whomping Willow, and then, like, spiders. What? Who? Who? I don't know. Voldemort <laughs> never comes up. This isn't a thing. You win the House Cup. Yay! <laughs> you know? But, like, I didn't care. So it was, like, it was so listening, it's like when when we get tired of, of listening to our 
um, Harry Potter on CD. Sometimes we'll put the CD in and we'll put it on shuffle. <laughs> um, so we'll hear the entire story out of order. Um, so that's that sounds like what that was yeah. <laughs> in 3D. Yeah. Does it? Did that one end with like Belletric showing up? No, I don't think so. Oh, I was trying to figure out if it's the same like exact plot as the one they have in Orlando. Um, that I mean, one also maybe, has. I was just kind of like trying of... to not have my glasses fly off, but like, right? Yeah. It was hard on that ride. Yeah. Or the equivalent they have in Orlando, but I was like, glasses need strings here, I guess. Yeah, and it, it was just so much fun, and the the wand show was amazing, and like I went in twice because the first time we went in, and then the second time. I have a friend who actually does it, so I, like, got in, and then he picked me, and then I feel so bad because I didn't buy the wand. <laughs> he gave me. Because they're, like, you know, I, I, like, kind of thought, like, maybe they give it away to you, like, if you, you know, whatever. Um, but, no, then, you know, the, the lovely witch in the wand shop afterward was, like, you know, oh, yeah, all wizards have to, you know, pay. It's $49.99. And I was, like, I'm... I'm just not gonna spend forty nine ninety nine on a wand. I just know I can't. Fifty dollars? Yeah. Hey, I was thinking when my, when my sister bought a wand at Barnes and Noble, it was it was thirty dollars, and I was like, she had a gift card, and she spent thirty dollars of it on the wand. Yeah. And I was like, do you know how many books you could have bought? And like <laughs> no, I mean like the the wand shop is also incredible and unbelievably detailed, and it was so you know now I feel really guilty because my friend was like, here's the wand that I picked for you, and I was like, oh you know um and it actually would have gone really well with my perm costume but I kind of have developed a thing about like things that just sit there and like not wanting to acquire too many of those anymore so trashkas are not... useless why do you buy them yeah I know and I used to be really into them so my my room is like full of like 101 Dalmatian you know plaster things and whatever it's it's yeah it's crazy um However, they like, are if it beautiful. makes you happy, if it makes oh. you happy, it's worth having. But like once you've filled your, you know, you filled up all your shelves, you know, it's like it'll be more stress than happiness. <laughs> oh to yeah, add exactly, exactly. To collection. It's, it's totally a personal thing, and like I, they are they're beautiful constructions. The ones it, it really happens to be. It's not like they're not, um, like they aren't like buying just a little piece of plastic. They they are really lovely. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I, I didn't do that. But, and of course, couldn't have butterbeer because the butterbeer is not kosher, which is just mm. a travesty. And is make your own. They, I know I can make my own, but like, I wanted to buy frozen butterbeer because I was in Hogsmeade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, highly, highly, highly recommended. It was just, I got to try out a robe. It was just so amazing and wonderful. Did you buy a pygmy puff? I did not buy a pygmy puff, but I did buy, you know, the only thing I bought myself actually was, um, like, you know, because I go to conventions, um, I bought myself a, a Ravenclaw lanyard, like a nice thick, like, thing so I can put my badges on. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and I got, um, I got, yeah, like a little, my sister, like a little kind of mini briefcase that, like, you can kind of use as a purse and it has, like, letters in it and stuff. But they had so much great stuff there. Oh my goodness. It, it was just so magical and wonderful. And yes, if you haven't been, it is absolutely worth your time. I think I spent like two hours just in, you know, the Hogsmeade Hogwarts area, which is not very big in, in, in uh, California. So yeah, I'm just reliving it now in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had like mixed feelings about 
um, the Harry Potter theme parks because they are very clearly built on the movies and I don't have positive associations with the movies. Like the movies to me are just like an entirely different universe than the books. So I don't know if the experience would translate for me if I go and I feel like, ah, this is just movie crap. It's not really the world of Harry Potter, you know? Right. So I haven't seen, um, I only saw the first movie right when it came out and haven't seen the others so a lot of the imagery yes, I'm that not might have familiar helped. with right exactly so it, it was kind of just like oh so this is a version of it you know like brought to life mm-hmm. and obviously there were certain things like they have like little shows where like the they have a an acapella choir with toads <laughs> and then they have like the Bobaton and Durmstrang people put on some kind of martial art dance thing and like I was kind of like is that from the movies and the people I was with were like oh yeah that's from the movies and I was like oh okay fine so never mind not yeah canon. but um but still, now you understand yeah. why the movies are a totally different universe yeah yeah <laughs> but but I I do think they do a you know they do a good job of like I recognized most of like the signage and stuff and and um mm-hmm. you know the monster book of monsters which they have in a cage and in one of the things Yeah. When I went to um, the studio in, um, it was like five years ago, maybe, um, I visited all the major studios in LA and I, they had all, a lot of the Harry Potter props. And like, even though I didn't like the movies, I enjoyed being around the props because it was just, you know, there is some Harry Potter magic, even if it's just movie magic. Yeah, there really is. I I agree. But I think it comes from a similar place, a similar creative place that is lost, I think, once, like, the mechanics of the story are kind of crammed into, like, the movie, but the actual creation of, like, the sets and the costumes and, like, the, you know, the props and stuff, um, and just the general design, I feel, is pretty much, and it could just be, like, you know, even though I haven't seen the movies, obviously I'm familiar with some of the imagery, because as a Harry Potter fan, you, you literally can't avoid it, um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it was it felt kind of like seeing, like the Lord of the Rings, um, you know, the the how we made this, like the documentaries that come on the other two discs. Oh, the Lord editions. of the Rings is amazing. Yeah, like come to <laughs> life. Um, oh my god, I was obsessed with those. That was. I think yeah, my brother bought like all the extended editions, and we watched all the special features. Yeah, and we yeah. found all the Easter eggs. So Tamar, what are you obsessed with currently? Well, now you like make me want to like talk all about Harry Potter, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna have enough of that this episode. So I'm gonna talk about K-pop for a few minutes. Pretty much one of my <laughs> sorry, I, I try not to do it a lot, but um... no, no, please. <laughs> no, well, I mean, Korea is in the normal news now. Korea is in the news now, mostly because of a baby walking into a room. Oh my god, that was amazing! I'm obsessed with that. Can I, that be my obsession? No, no, that's. I don't know. I, th- I think you can. He spoke to the Wall Street <laughs> Journal today, and it was very cute. Um, yeah, he was like I holding his son. Up. It was really adorable. But I'm um, not talking about that. <laughs> I, I thought <laughs> I, I thought we were going to talk about the prime minister or the president being impeached or whatever it is uh, yeah fucking hey no she's like that's what they were talking about during the interview but like nobody was paying attention because adorable children in the background right apparently uh, people were commenting that like oh i wanted to know what he was talking about i saw that on a few articles uh, a few uh, like facebook posts and stuff because every outlet was pub- like sharing it but anyway <laughs> i want to talk about the band now known as highlight uh it's a really bad name personally I think it's a horrible name but pretty much there is a band known as Beast it's like one of those artists formerly known as situations their their name was Beast um and their fan club was named Beauty and it was really cute 
and they they started in 2009 and since then they've been like known for really great like love songs and really great like party anthems like they're just really good and there's like there's been very like maybe one or two songs since 2009 they've released like probably over 70 songs that have been like not great everything's been great Anyway, they their contract came to an end with their company last year, and they decided to leave their agency, and so that they renamed, and they just released their first song, like, yesterday. So uh, it's called It's Still Beautiful, and it is a beautiful song, but it's, a, like, a little piano melody, and it's it's about, like, putting the past behind you, and I just, like, every time I watch it, I'm just, like, it's, like, Simba talking to, to I mean, it's, like, uh, Mufasa talking to Simba about, like, you have to put the past behind you and, like, move forward. Um, but I just, it, it, I was like really traumatized last year in K-pop, a lot of bands break up and like, that's the end. Like you're never going to see them perform together ever again. And one of the members did leave the band and the other members decided to stay together and they like came back with a new song that's like very much them. And it's really beautiful. And, and like, they make it into like a romantic movie, a video and a, uh, about, and a song about like, uh, being in love with someone and she like leaves you, but like, you still remember the good times. And now they're releasing another song next week called, can you feel it? That's like going to be so much fun. And it's also, um, they've been like teasing videos on YouTube. Uh, on, sorry, they've been teasing videos on Instagram showing like the members like frowning or crying. Like one of them cries. He like looks at the camera for like a good minute and then like tears suddenly start. You're just like, oh, you really, you really tried. And then one of the other ones like couldn't even like make a sad face. He thought it was so funny. So he was like laughing and like hiding his mouth. It was really stupid. Um, they're really, really derpy and they're like adorable. <laughs> These are like 30 year old guys or like 28 year old guys. Like, this is just what they're doing. So in the videos, they're like frowning and then they like are smiling and they're just, they look, they're doing like really silly frowns. Like one of, uh, I think two of them like tape like paper to their eyes as if they're crying, like to like emulate like the, in, the emoji with like the tears streaming down their faces. And then they like rip them off and they smile. And it's just really silly. And I just like a lot of times, like, cause I'm a music fan, like, Bands disband, and sometimes there's hope, and it's really exciting, and I'm really happy that, like, my one of my... They're not my favorite band, but I've seen them live, and they're really, really, really good, and they should, like, continue on for a long time together, and I'm really happy that Highlight is, like, debuting again. They're like, technically a new group, which is really weird in Korea, and so they're not, like, getting the perks of being an old group even though they like used to win all the top awards at the end of the years so it's just a weird situation um but yeah i'll add some music into my rambling so that people can hear a little bit if they care awesome yeah that'd be cool very cool yeah i i haven't really had a band break up because i don't really follow any bands particularly closely but like, in theory, I can put myself into the headspace where that's a huge bummer. You don't know the pain. I'm I like, know. well, for me, for me, I, I transfer it in, in sports. Like, I'm not, a, you know, big in music fandom, but like the comparisons to sports. Um, like a player getting traded. Like, you know, when your favorite player gets traded or when your favorite player retires or leaves the team or, you know, opts to sign somewhere else, you know, to be closer to his family. And, you know, it's like, ah, no. You are our player. You're our guy. You can't you can't play there. That's not right. So in K-pop, it's usually just like they just disappear. Like you don't 
hear from most of the bands that disband anymore. Some of them you do because a lot of them make like, make careers as actors or like um like reality not reality show but like uh like MCs and variety stars. Uh, yeah, like personalities. So it, it wasn't so most of the members of this group actually like I wasn't worried about them like disappearing. Like some of them are producers for other bands. Some of them are really amazing soloists also. But it, it's still like something really bad. Like I remember when I was in seminary one time, it wasn't this band, it was another band. Like I found out that one of I actually I found out two that year. There was like a lot when we were in seminary, like or when I was in seminary, there was like all this K-pop drama going on. And I just remember sitting on my bed, bawling my eyes out of my room. It's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't tell her that I'm crying over a boy band member leaving and <laughs> like suing his company. Um but yeah, so I was just really, really happy, and I really liked that they were putting their, like, emotions into the songs and making this whole thing about, like, smiling after the frowns and, like, moving forward after, and, like, being able to, like, look back on a relationship fondly, because they're, they're literally moving on to a different part of their career, and it's quite dramatic after seven years of being under one agency and under one name, and now they're moving forward, and I think it's really exciting, and I'm really happy about it. Aw, that's good. It's nice when fandom except actually makes name. you happy. <laughs> except their except their name because they changed their pretty much their last album under their old agency was called Highlight and like that was the singles title. So they decided, oh, we'll just take that name and make it into our band because we'll be like the high point of the industry or something really stupid. Korean band names take like really names to really stupid levels. One time I'll tell you guys all about you kids. Um, and their <laughs> stupid name. It means like ubiquitous something. What the K? I don't remember. Really stupid names. Anyway, so um, Highlight is like about their last album. So people are joking that their fans are going to be called Contours. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. I want to, I, I want to be a contour now. <laughs> so I'm kind of sad because in Korea at concerts, you hold up, um, instead of like lighters, you hold up like fan lights and they get really, really creative and beasts were always roses because the fan, because like their beast, the fans were beauty. Uh, so they always held up like these pretty roses at concerts that like lit up and glowed really, really nicely. And now I'm kind of sad because now we can't use those anymore. Oh, Not that I holds up light sticks anymore those days are behind me usually you've grown up <laughs> and gotten very mature no now I like do it semi-professionally and I feel like if I like let loose then it'd be embarrassing yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and SM why don't you tell us what you're obsessed with which is a teaser for our central discussion this week which will be coming up soon okay well where do I start? I feel like my head is just spinning with all the things that are have been involved with this. It's my dad's Harry Potter themed Haggadah that he released today officially on Amazon, but it has been like consuming my life for the past like two, three weeks solid. And because I I've been involved from the uh, editing process and on down th- through the uh, through the publicity and PR. I've been basically the unpaid publicist behind this book, and thanks to thanks largely to the main mainly my efforts, I think, um, and my dad would agree. Um, we have reached number forty on the Amazon. Uh, bestseller list, Woo! and 
Yeah, and number so one exciting. in Jewish life, um, and number one in Haggadahs. We are outselling Dave Barry's Haggadah, which, yay. Who knew Dave um, Barry had Haggadah? <laughs> um, now a lot of more people. I think he's going to get a boost in sales because <laughs> of our Haggadah, because now people know that his Haggadah exists. Because this was a self-published thing, which is a whole other discussion, and part of why it was very stressful, because we were all doing this all ourselves, but... By ourselves, I mean, like, we mobilized the entire team Rosenberg, plus the graphic designer in Israel that my dad found, who is amazing. We've just been doing all the parts of the publishing process ourselves. But because, so it was stressful and uh, complicated, and you feel like you're reinventing the wheel every five minutes. But, yeah, coming up with a, a, a product like this that basically sells itself once you tell the right people about it and get it out there and make sure that everybody knows about it, which is my job. Um, I've made the Facebook page. I made an email sign-up list for alerts. I created a MailChimp account to to uh, alert people when, uh, when it hit Amazon. Um, yeah, and I've been just trying to collect... Um, all sorts of different things that I could possibly post at different points on the Facebook page. And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but whatever it is, it worked. It's, it's been, it's been really crazy. Um, and it happened well, pretty fast by publishing world standards. Um, and yeah. And so I'm always constantly feeling like there's something else that I should have done. And I don't remember what it was, you know, <laughs> because there's just so much I've been doing for the past couple weeks and like I just keep checking all the different accounts that I have I've been checking the Facebook I'm, I set up an Instagram I have an Insta I'm so hip um <laughs> I don't I don't if you like I, makeup I, you should be an Instagram anyway because yeah makeup but, like lives on Instagram so I set up an Instagram I put up um we got our hard our first hard copy of it um proof of it from Amazon um yesterday and i took pictures of my brother holding it he is the famous hand model in our pictures now and uh we put those up and it's still our only copy and it's actually it's got the pages all in the wrong order because um amazon got confused because it's, we printed it as the hebrew direction we we laid it out and we wanted it to print in the hebrew direction um from right to left but they got confused and then they we had reversed it um and then they reversed it back because they thought that was what we wanted but it wasn't what we wanted um so we have this one copy um with all the pages in the wrong order <laughs> but um but then we well it's not it like the order is important during the seder it's not like that's what yeah. that means, right? I mean, like, I feel like you, you can follow it mostly. You know, it's just the pages are just going in the wrong direction and whatever. It's just, and and the page numbers are on the inside corners instead of the outside corners where they're supposed to be. Um, so it's just all, yeah, it was all messed up. We still wanted to get the proof so that we could see if the colors looked good, and they do. They look amazing. Um, we chose the highest quality paper and color printing. Um, because the design really, it really needs that um, to really come across as awesome as it is. So, yeah, we did that. Um, so we have our one copy, and we're hopefully going to get some more copies. Um, and we're going to, I'm also, I'm the one corresponding with all the bookstores that are 
that are intending to stock us. There's a bookstore in Australia that wants it. There's obviously a bookstore in Israel that wants it. Um, there are bookstores all across the U.S. that want it, um, including um, a non Most of the stores are Judaica stores, but one of them that contacted us is actually a, um, a geek store. Uh, it's called Whimsic Alley, and it's in L.A. Oh, my God, I love um, it. Whimsic Alley, that's awesome. I've never been there, but uh, I thought it was so awesome that, you know, um, she, she, the proprietor, I guess, emailed me. She contacted me, and she said um, that they have a big Jewish population, and they sell a lot of Harry Potter stuff, um, and they would like to buy some copies. And I feel like a total Hermione, but I feel like if I was really a total Hermione, I would not feel stressed by this. Like, I would just be like, yeah, I got this. All of this is organized. This is this is how it goes. And I, I just feel like I am in over my head all the time. But <laughs> it seems to be working out. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Hermione gets stressed. I mean, yeah. I seem to remember her making study schedules 10 weeks in advance of a test. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is awesome. And we are going to hear more about the Hogwarts Haggadah uh, very soon. The unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. Oh, I'm sorry. The unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. We don't want to be sued. But yes, we're going to be hearing more about that soon. And we'll tell you more about, you know, where where and how to um, get one onto your Seder table uh, just in time for Pesach. Um, and maybe you can get one for free. <gasps> maybe. They'll, there, there might be something to announce. We might be doing a giveaway. Yeah. Or, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, possibly, <laughs> definitely doing a giveaway. <laughs> We're just going to carry on right now a little bit uh, from our discussion last time, which was our pre-perm discussion. So we're just going to discuss a little bit about how fandomy our perms were, or maybe not fandomy. Not everybody can include fandom in their in their perm. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. Why, why don't you tell us how your how your perm was? Tomorrow. Uh, so I, I like had a great costume idea, but I never ended up putting it together. So I just grabbed my costume from last year, which was Minnie Mouse. Um, I have a black and white polka dot dress, and I have ears, and I I do have gloves, and I was gonna do whiskers, but it was freezing cold, so I knew I'd just be pulling off the white gloves and putting on my winter gloves and putting a scarf over my face because we were walking down to Lincoln Square at 72nd, and I live higher up, so it's just like I'm not doing the face makeup, so it was really low key. But I had one of my friends got engaged on Perm Day, so that was exciting. So I ended up having Mazel a little thing. So we ended up going to like the Lochayim at her house, but she happens to live like a few minutes from my sister's, and I wasn't planning on seeing my sister, but I got to, and her whole family was dressed up as Alice in Wonderland theme, and it was Aww. really cute. And like my nephew was like a little white rabbit with like a little tail, and my niece was Alice, and my sister was the Red Queen, and my brother-in-law was like really good-natured, and he dressed up as the Mad Hatter, <laughs> and, and he was just like, "This is like the most flamboyant thing I've ever worn," because he was wearing the one from the new movie, so like purple and <laughs> and silk. He he definitely pulls it off better than Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> Did he do the makeup? No, they were like low key ish. My sister like okay. put on some nice makeup and jewelry and stuff, but they were they were hosting, so they were kind of in a rush. They were having, they had like five families over, and like oh, they sent me. Yeah, I they were like, "Oh, you sure you don't want to stay?" And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure I don't want to stay because you're having like 16 kids." And so yeah, so that oh, and then I went to my parents for Suda, but I didn't realize that my dad was flying out to uh for like a business meeting that night. So I thought we had like the whole like few hours until we couldn't not eat anymore but apparently like he was on on and off the phone the whole time so I kept like 
asking him, like, when are you cooking the food? Because my dad cooks a lot in our house. And he was like, oh, just a minute. And then he'd come into the kitchen and he'd start something and then his phone would ring and he'd have to go back to his office and go do some more work. So in the end, I ended up cooking everything, which was fine. But my dad still didn't really get to eat anything because he had to run out to the airport. So that was really sad. But then my mom and I just chilled and had steak and wine. And then we watched Arrested Development. So that was awesome. <laughs> We were going to watch a movie and we couldn't decide on one because she likes dramas and I like comedies and kids movies and romances. Frozen! So I've seen it and she didn't want to watch Zootopia. She didn't want to watch anything that I've already seen and the only thing that's on Netflix that I could find easily that I wanted to watch was um, I wanted to watch Jurassic Park and she was not down for that. (laughs) So I was like, well, I haven't seen Arrested Development in a while and one time you saw me and uh, my brother watching it and you really liked it. So like, do you want to watch? So we watched like a good five episodes. And at first she was like, what's going on here? And then by the time we got up to, there's always money in the, in the, the banana, stand. banana stand. Yeah. And there's always money in the banana stand. She like was really into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My brother's really into uh, Arrested Development. SM, how was your perm? My perm was very nice. I dressed up as Arwen. Um, I had my, my ears from my Vulcan costume. And so now they became elf ears and I wore my hair down and I, put some a lot of green eyeliner on and i uh borrowed uh, i had my my even star necklace that one of my brothers had gotten me and i asked my little brother if my baby brother if i could borrow his lego frodo who has a ring also and is a fridge magnet he has some that are not fridge magnets but i asked if i could borrow the fridge magnet one because he's slightly less attached to that one um and he agreed and he said that i could take the ring um if i you know and i said i'll I'll carry it all in a bag so that if the ring falls off it'll fall off in a bag and he was okay with that so um i just took it out to take a couple of pictures and the rest of the time i just had it in um, a little ziploc bag and if People asked me what I was. I said, I'm Arvin. And then I would hold it up and say, if you want to come and claim him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we went to we went to my um, cousins for our Purim Suda in West Hempstead. And when we got there, they, um, they have a... Um, so I forget family relationships. So my cousin's daughter... Does that make a second cousin or first cousin once removed? Something like that. Um, they have a toddler... And she's adorable, and she's got, you know, carrot red hair, and um, she's a bit shy around strangers at first, but then she, when she warms up, she's very talkative and very active and adorable. And they were watching Frozen, and I had a headache, so I just lay down on the couch, and I watched with them, and it was, it was a lot of fun, and yeah, oh, such a good movie, and the music is really good, and there were some people, one of my sisters had never seen it before and she like heard all the songs and this was the first time she was seeing them with context and she was like wow this is really intense I can't watch this (laughs) (laughs) yeah no she doesn't usually watch movies that's why she hadn't seen it in the in the first place um until now but she was just like wow this is really emotional (laughs) I can't deal with this um and yeah and then toward the end um uh like we had the the whole you know, when, when Anna saves Elsa um, and turns to ice, it's very emotional. I knew she was going to be okay, but I started crying anyway. <laughs> Aww, so you have a little <laughs> um, too much had, wine. <laughs> had really good food. We had really good food, and um, it was really nice. I hardly ever get to see my cousins because um, we're just all 
really busy and, you know, we don't live in the same neighborhood and whatever. So, um, yeah, we get together like once or twice a year and it's always really nice. Oh, and my little brother was the, uh, the captain of the Nazgul, the, the witch king of Agmar. So we were going to take a picture of him posing, you know, on one side of something and me on the other as Arwen. And we never got around to doing that, but just like picture it. It, it, it would have been amazing. That would have been epic. Um, yeah, and he was gonna he was gonna use his iPad to green screen in like a whole background of like and, and put in a stream. We had we had all these grand ideas, but we never did it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, pictures are, are a pretty big deal for me too. But my my family's big thing is our Shalach Manos, which my mother pretty much took care of this year. I can now reveal that our theme. Oh was, yeah, you wouldn't tell us last time. Yeah, it was hum and fashion. Um, oh, that's so cute. Clothes and stuff like that. We had like you know like sour belts and whatever we we put it on like a little baby hanger and like a little bag made of like um like burlap and I dressed up so I I, I think I said last time I was planning on dressing up as kind of like Lucille Ball you know Lucy Ricardo um that did not happen it did not happen because my dress came yesterday and oh. it was on Sunday <laughs> So that didn't happen, but um, I did buy, um, we've talked about um, L. Hoffer design a couple times on the podcast, and I, I did buy one of her dresses a while ago, like kind of a Ravenclaw wrap dress, and it's black and blue and, you know, kind of nice, and so I was able to, I bought crinolines for this, you know, Lucy thing, so I was able to put one underneath that and make it a little more special, and clipped a blue streak into my hair, which I really, really like, you guys. I really like the blue streak. I went out, you know, to the Five Towns for um, Megillah because a, a student of my mother's who has autism reads the Megillah every year. He started last year, and um, it's really nice, like, in his, you know, teacher's house, and it's, it's very sweet. And because it was freezing cold, I decided to make uh, soup for an appetizer for, for a meal, but I couldn't, yeah. it was like a beef soup. It's delicious, but I couldn't find ground beef anywhere. Like, what? yeah, because it was, I guess I, I checked right after McGillar reading on Saturday night, didn't have, and then I went again. So I had to get like hamburger patties, and, like chop some oh, up. No. Like nobody would have noticed it was, it turned out fine, but like I had to, you know, do that extra step. But yeah, the rest of the day, I pretty much stayed inside. Um, and it's funny, you should talk about, like, taking pictures, because me and my sister kind of always make a point of, like, when we do a costume, we, like, do a little photo shoot and, like, take pictures together, or with each other, or of each other. So um, she was kind of, like, she called herself, like, nature or something. She had, like, a dress with flowers and put on a flower crown, and then, um, so I took some pictures of her, like, by our plants. And then, of course, I was a Ravenclaw, so she took pictures of me in the library with all the books. Yeah, oh, it's actually, it's funny because my friend, um, our, like, mine and my sister's best friend, um, she dressed up her family also as Alice in Wonderland. But she, they did it, so she was Alice, her husband was the Cheshire Cat, um, their son was the Mad Hatter, their daughter, who is five, is was um, the Queen of Hearts, and very regal <laughs> and the little baby was uh was the rabbit so that was really it funny. seems like the baby has become the rabbit it's so yeah. cute <laughs> i do like it when people kind of turn their kid into a prop like the kid is young enough to just be a prop and yeah. i just find that really oh my fr one of my friends she had uh twin girls 
they were their this was their first Purim and they're four months old. So she has this double snuggly and she put green felt on it and she wrote pod on it and then oh, she dressed cute. them all in green and got these little hats and she ironed on letters to say P one and P two and they are two P's in a pod Aww. and it's so cute. Oh my god, uh, so cute. That's so cute. So my, my niece with the Alice thing, I was sitting at their house and on Facebook and everyone was uploading their pictures to Facebook of their costumes. My friend posted a picture with her and her husband of she was Alice and he was the uh, he was the white rabbit. And so my niece like looked over my shoulder. She's very precocious for a two year old. Like today she took sent, my sister sent me a video and my niece wanted her to do something. So she goes like really dramatically, put the phone down. <laughs> and my sister did. Um, but so like my niece looked over my shoulder and she's just like, oh, that's me. And that's my brother, like, at my friend and her husband, because she, like, recognized that they were dressed as the same people. And I thought it was so cute. <laughs> so moving on from Purim to the next holiday of Pesach, uh, or Passover in layman's terms, um, we have Rabbi Rosenberg here with us, who is the author of the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah and also Esab's dad, just... Fun note. Rabbi Rosenberg, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Well, I'm Moshe Rosenberg. I teach at the SAR Academy in Riverdale, and that's where I had the privilege of having two of my three interviewers this evening um, as students and uh, involved parties in the Harry Potter Club. And it's really mind-blowing and incredibly... source of pride to be able to be interviewed by those people whom I remember in those years, all grown up and doing important things in the world. Um, I also am the rabbi of a synagogue, of a shul in Kew Gardens Hills. I also do educational technology. I'm a Judeo-tech integrator at my school. Um, and that's basically how I keep myself busy when I'm not writing about Harry Potter and Judaism. Awesome. So we have a couple of questions for you. Um, Tamar, why don't you start? Before I ask my question, I just have to like say, I just got like so many flashbacks to sixth grade when every day after Rosenberg would ask a question about Harry Potter and it was like a, a brain, like a, a riddle or a, a brain teaser. And it always bothered me that I never knew them. And like, I still like to this day, I remember like the only one that I got right. And how did Which you all loved you anyway? Oh, thanks. It had to do something with Cornelius Fudge. Uh, I think it was like who in Harry Potter is named after two foods or something. I just remember that Cornelius Fudge was the answer. Whatever it was, every single I think it was every oh day after Bincha, you would ask a question and every day I'd be like, why am I not a big enough Harry Potter fan? Um, <laughs> things have changed a little bit since That's then. That's as bad as being a victim of dad jokes. Uh, <laughs> To be fair, I'm a pretty punny person, and I learned from my dad, so dad jokes are okay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, about the Haggadah, what inspired you to write it? Well, I've been thinking about it for a long time. Um, in fact, not that long after I had written Morality for Muggles, um, it seemed like a very natural thing because the Haggadah and Harry Potter share so many basic themes. Um, in fact, whenever you write 
movingly and effectively about the human condition, you're going to be addressing so many similar themes. So it's not surprising that Torah and the Haggadah and Harry Potter all do that sort of thing. So I, I really was thinking about it for a long time. Um, and then I decided that with the new movies coming out and the new uh, books coming out and, and so on, uh, this would be a very good time to do it. So I, I, I turned up uh, the speed of the process around uh, the summertime, um, and then really, really uh, gave it a less burst of energy over the course of, of winter vacation. And how did you get into Harry Potter in the first place? Well, I don't know how far back you can remember, but do you remember Penny Joel? Yes, of course. I had her in high school. Well, she, she was my she was my assistant teacher for one year in SAR, and she turned me on to Harry Potter right around the second book. This is what he always says, but I was the one who brought the Harry Potter books into our house for the first time. <laughs> you and I found a Harry Potter out. book in the library. It was misshelved. I was looking for a book by Francis Hodgson Burnett, and our library is terrible, and they misshelved the Rowling book. Uh, in the B section, and I had just heard about it because Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban had just come out, and it was brand new, and it was a huge deal, um, but I but had never I heard of it. I am going back and to he's going back Chamber and... of Secrets, yeah, and because but I don't Penny this. Joel gets thanked in the introduction to my first book, yeah, but I don't it has that. to be true. It's not. <laughs> it's an alternate <laughs> fact. <laughs> Um, so what drew you into to the books and how did you how did you begin to integrate Judaism and Harry Potter? Well, I just enjoyed them. I mean, I, w I would love to say, maybe I would love to say that I saw them from the start as an opportunity to draw my students into Jewish thought and Jewish life, life. But that's not the way it happens. The way it happens for me is that I first fall in love with the books. And then I suddenly realized that my students have also fallen in love with them. And then, hey, uh, she is saying so many things in those books that I'm trying to teach out of Torah. Here she is doing the job for me. And all I have to do is connect the dots. The kids were already thinking in that direction. I just have to say, oh, and by the way, that's what the Torah says in blah, 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 source. And what kind of a person wouldn't take advantage of that? Just it, it's it's just ready made. It's it's a teaching aid. It's a common language. It's it's right there for you. And so I just uh, I just decided to take advantage of it. And now you said you started writing the Haggadah. You sped up the process for start for the Haggadah when the new movies were announced and when the play was announced. Uh, when did you really start to decide I'm going to write a Haggadah? What made you think a Haggadah was the right uh, Judaic uh, form to discuss Harry Potter? Well, some of the themes that they share in common are so obvious. I mean, uh, I guess from a cosmetic point of view, four houses and and the, the Arba Abanim. But when you think about it, it's all about, the Haggadah is all about education. The children are center stage. There are different types of ways of learning, learning styles. There are parents and children, teachers and students. It's all there, slavery and freedom. These are, are key. These are at the core of both experiences. And so if that were the whole thing, that would be enough for a book. But then 
as I was going through the, I wanted to have something on just about every part of the Haggadah. And so I went through the Haggadah trying to think, and, and, and it wasn't hard at all to come up with an idea for almost everything. And as, as you'll see, when you leaf through the Haggadah, it doesn't have to be, you know, huge and involved, but there's something on just about everything. And so specifically about the Haggadah, people have been asking, like, is it a practical Haggadah? Is it just a commentary or does it include the text? Can you use it at the Seder? How does it work? Is it just for fun or is it real? Oh, well, it's got the entire text of the Haggadah in it. Um, and it is, and we went very carefully through that text to make sure that it was accurate. And I, we, we adapted a translation. I spent many, many hours. <laughs> oh boy. The mo one of the, probably the most tedious part was trying to get rid of the archaisms in the English translation and trying to get the phrases just right. I mean, for example, there was Minha Meitzar Karati Ka and somebody they were trying to like from the narrows and i was saying this can't be this can't be i said i i i finally settled on from dire straits i called to you you answer me with expansiveness because merchavka is for the opposite of meitzar or narrowness is is rachay rachav it's wideness but you don't say you answered me with wideness so it's you answered me with expansiveness and i didn't spend a lot of time on that type of thing but i just wanted it to read smoothly and when something was an acrostic i wanted it to be clear that it's an acrostic if it's a poem let it be clear that it's a poem if there's a refrain let it be clear that there's a refrain so that the people who are experiencing it through the english shouldn't have a jarring experience but it can be used as a regular haggadah um but instead of laughing at the pictures in the maxwell house haggadah um, they can read the commentary on Harry Potter and enjoy the graphics. Yes, and I was—I would say that the graphics, finding the person to do the graphics, Aviva Shur, um, who lives in Israel, you may be familiar with her husband's work on Why You Torah to Go. He's the one who lays out that publication, is in charge of it. Uh, so finding her was really the turning point because you really can't express to people what this type of project is if you can't show them a page and she immediately caught on to the 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 vision that I had I described her how I would like a couple of pages to look she wasn't the first person I approached but she immediately grasped what it was and she sent a sample of of two page layout and I said that's it that's exactly what I want um and it all flowed from there um, and uh, I guess uh, with the design, there's obviously a lot that you were doing for everything we've been talking about, the translation, the design, the page layouts. Uh, you self-published, so what was that experience like? Oh, very educational. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's uh, inspirational. It's, 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 I recommend it because uh, nowadays, for many people, it makes sense to do it that way. You retain your rights to your work. You are able to uh, do, to, to get a, a larger slice of the pie. Um, you have more flexibility when it comes to republishing or changing things. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's been quite a harrowing experience in trying to get it done in a narrow time frame. Uh, we're still um, 
uh, sweating those details and hoping that there is enough time for people who want to get hold of it uh, to be able to, especially when it comes to stores, because uh, we have a different supplier for stores and we're still trying to get that particular uh, PDF proof uh, just the way we want it. Um, so it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking, it's a nail-biter, uh, but I think it's definitely the way to go, and I think it's the way I'm going to be going in the future. Was this your first time self-publishing? It is. It is, but not the last. Yeah, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to do more written things that don't require extensive layouts, so there'll be e-books and it'll be a much simpler process. And now that uh, Sara Meira, uh, otherwise known as SM, has um, done such an amazing job on the uh, social media side, she's actually built up an audience for the book and thereby future books um, through all of her work. And so I'm never, ever again starting from scratch. There is now somebody who will at least look at what I've written and decide, you know, make a decision whether they want it. It won't just immediately be deleted. And speaking of, you know, the the success of the book um, so far, it's not even out yet, but you're already in Amazon's top 40, which is pretty amazing. Um, so how does that feel? Uh, it feels exhilarating. It feels unreal. It feels like one of these days, one of these hours, somebody is going to unmask me and say, you faker, we know that it's really worthless and this is all one big hoax. So that's it feels like all of those things all at the same time uh, because nobody has seen it. They've seen pages. They've seen samples. Uh, they've ordered it. They, um, they think they know what they're getting. I, for all I know, it could be something totally different from what they're expecting. I hope not. We've gotten so many questions that show that people have all these really diverse expectations <laughs> for it. So it can't possibly live up to everybody's expectations. But I do think it's a nice piece of work. I think that there is real um, good Torah in it. There is valid uh, Harry Potter commentary and understanding. Uh, it is not a book that spoofs, that just tries to to uh, do shtick with Harry Potter. It is not a book that primarily tries to apply halacha to Harry Potter, although there's a little bit of that. Uh, it's a book that tries to look at the human condition and important issues and show that it's possible to learn about those things from literature just as you can from Torah, and each Torah and literature can mutually in, inform each other, uh, not by so saying putting them on the same level, but uh, the term that I found this time uh, that I put in the introduction uh, is, is a term from Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, who talked about literature and Torah being um, reciprocally resonating that uh, each one of them can make you understand the other one better, make you see things in it that were there all along, but you just didn't see them for not having something else to compare them to. What what age would you say it's for? Is it for kids or is it can, you know, grown-up adults who still adore Harry Potter? I actually <laughs> had that sort of uh, issue 
that I had to face when I was trying to classify it for one of the the, the uh, print-on-demand publishers, um, where they want you to classify it, and I then I suddenly realized I really can't, because on the one hand, everybody hears Harry Potter, they think it's a book for children. But some of the people who will be the most interested are those who grew up with Harry Potter and are now in their 20s. And there are plenty of people who are open to this type of thing, even though they are beyond their 20s. Um, kids, some will get more out of it, some will get less out of it. The younger the kid is, the less they'll get, but they'll still think that it's cool that Harry Potter is in a Haggadah. And so I, I don't want to pigeonhole it and say that it's only young adult or it's only juvenile or it's only this or that. I, I think that it can be appreciated on different levels by many different uh, types of people. And I guess uh, our next question is, any favorite parts that you want to suggest to the Nice Jewish Fan Girls audience? Oh, boy. <laughs> Anything that, like, you really liked. Well, yes, depending on how long the Seder is, it might be the end, but, you know. Yeah. Is there a, a particular essay or section that you are Well, I think that of? all of the responses of the kids, you see, one of the features is I, I, I passed around 20 questions that I made up um, regarding the, the topics in the commentary um, to uh, students in SAR from 5th through 8th grades. And the responses that I got were, some of them were mind-blowing. Um, some of them were hilarious. Uh, some of them unintentionally hilarious, some of them very um, inspiring uh, and, 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 and deep. Um, when you ask a child what is worth sacrificing for, and she says, I would sacrifice social media not to be a diabetic. Mm -hmm. When you ask, you know, when did you feel that God cared for you the most? And they get a response about some time that they, uh, you know, when when my father and my boat capsized and God saved us, uh, pulled us out of the ocean, um, or, or or when you have you ask a kid what's worth sacrificing for, and he's, uh, he says cinnamon buns. <laughs> he's in my class right now, and he's very proud of that answer. Uh, and of course, when you ask. When you open the door in Pesach and you could see any Harry Potter character and somebody says they want to see Rabbi Rosenberg, well, that's the kind Aww. of thing that makes it all worth it. <laughs> that's very we won't sweet. tell them that he's not actually a Harry Potter character. I mean, you never know. Um, <laughs> that's just for a book that hasn't been written yet. Yeah. I mean, Newt Scamander wasn't a, a character um, until he was. Uh, speaking of characters, you mentioned before the design, and I was curious, uh, how are you dealing with Harry Potter character properties, I guess, like, property, like copyright? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know it's the unofficial Haggadah, so, like, are you able to do, like, a picture of the trio or something that, like, could be Hogwarts? Like there are no pictures of the characters. There is generic... Um, castle, broomstick type of stuff, magic type of stuff. Sparks, wands. Right, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think that it loses anything from that. Uh, using the word Hogwarts was what concerned me. Um, and so I did the same thing I had done before the first book. I consulted a lawyer who actually wrote the textbook that is used by copyright lawyers. He's the man who wrote the book. He's the man who told me that um, 
if, if this were official, you couldn't afford me. <laughs> and um, so he was, basically, there is no legal issue involved. You, you are allowed by fair usage doctrine to, uh, to quote these types of works in order to analyze them and to interpret them and so forth, or even to spoof them. Um, the question more is, what might an author respond to and start legal action on, even if technically it is permissible? And to avoid any issue of that nature, he advised me to use the word unofficial. Mm. Unofficial was came later to the scene. It was originally just the Hogwarts Haggadah. I guess the next question would be, where, where can people get the Haggadah? Well, right now, the only place that's accessible to most people would be on Amazon. Um, certainly in the United States. It's not yet, as far as I've been told today, it's not yet on Amazon for Canada. But God willing, it will be shortly. Um, soon, God willing, it'll be in a whole bunch of stores um, from New York to L.A. to uh, Israel to Australia to... Did somebody call from London? I don't know. No, I don't think anybody's called no, from no, London yet. Not from London yet. Uh, but it's, hint, hint, London. There are a lot of stores that are interested <laughs> in it. And we're just uh, biting our nails to hoping that the... Um, that, that the process will be quick enough to be able to get it to those stores in enough time for people to, 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 to buy their copies. You see, we don't want to just approve the, um, the, the uh, proof, the PDF online, because we want to get a hard copy in our hands to be able to see are we satisfied with the quality of the color, with the texture of the paper, and so forth. Um, we we did that with uh, the Amazon version, but the other one we're really worried about the time element. Hopefully, it'll turn up in Flourish and Blots at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, actually, um, now that we have you here um, as a rabbi, I, I'm I'm curious about your opinion. Um, I've been confronted many times by people who think that they're smarter than me and tell me that, like, you know, you couldn't be a witch anyway because magic is kishif and you can't do kishif. And my opinion has always been that magic is, like, akin to a physical skill uh, rather than, like, the Torah definition of kishif. But I'm curious, as a rabbi, where do you stand on that? <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I I've never um, emphasized that issue in my writings. Um, it's just mainly because it hasn't interested me. And I think that that's because I've never viewed Harry Potter as a book that's about magic. Mm. Uh, it's about kids in an English boarding school and how they get along with each other and with their teachers and with the challenges of their lives. And the magic is cool. It dresses it up, but it's it's not about magic, and it's not, and it's not attempting to convince you that magic works. It's it uses the magic as 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 a literary device. Um, if this, you know, if if it really were focusing on magic, then maybe you'd have a question. So, if you want to read up about that a little bit, um, there was many years ago there was an exchange. I wrote a letter to the editor. When uh, when Yaffa Gans, who oh, writes uh, Jewish children's this. books, wrote a piece for for Jewish Action magazine, 
Um, and uh, she was ambivalent about whether we should take the Potter books into our homes. And I wrote much of what I just told you, how we would be remiss if we didn't use such a tool that could help us in our educational goals, and that it really wasn't, in my opinion, about witchcraft. Thank you. I think that's a very that's a very fair answer, and I agree with you. I think that ultimately the point is not... Yeah, it's it's not about the spells. I think if it were about, you know, just the spells and the trappings, then it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. But also, you know, we obviously... Compare it to something. I, I think that the more you get into a, a system that really believes in the magic and tries to present it realistically, the less interested I really get. I don't know if you've read any of the Dresden files. Um, they're about um, an, a, 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 an ur urban... Uh, fantasy, fantasy, um, uh, a wizard named Harry Dresden who really does magic and deals with uh, creatures in some sort of a magical realm. And I read; they tell you that you don't like it until you've read the first few books. Well, I read the first few books, and I still don't like it. And I, it's not just the author because I like the other things that the author writes. So it's the magic side in, in certain ways turns me off. But in Harry Potter, the way it's used, it isn't used in, 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 a, in such a serious way even. The, the systems are, it, it's so much humor is built into it. Uh, the ways in which uh, the, the spells, uh, the words that are used for them, the, the, the uh, funny ways in which they affect people the different types of, of jinxes you can put on people, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it ceases to be magic and it starts being slapstick. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of considering, you know, talking about the Dresden Files, and we know from SM that you are, you know, among us in geekery. Is there any other, te uh, you know, text or fandom or, or movie um, that you would like to maybe not a Haggadah, but give a similar Jewish treatment to? Well, in the past, I've done that selectively to Star Trek. Um, in fact, uh, I, I published an article over the summer in um, in uh, Tablet Magazine on the uh, Kobayashi Maru simulation um, and using it as a metaphor for all of the situations which are no-win in life and where the test is how you deal with with the situation, not whether you defeat it. Um, and so, but you see, after a while, whenever I would mention Star Trek in school, the reaction would be, oh yeah, my father used to watch that. And um, if you're not getting, if you're not connecting on that, and and, and uh, so, and you can find something that, that works better, so you're going to use that which works better. So would the Haggadah be aimed for more your students' uh, ages or for everybody in general? I know we asked before, but now I'm curious based on what you just said. I think that, uh, well, Harry Potter, I think, can appeal across the board. I mean, the students, the students are still interested in having the Harry Potter nights that we used to have when you guys were in school. And the, the, the kids are still very into it. And um, certainly the people who grew up with it are into it. And um, I, I, I think that it would be uh, a disservice to the book and it would deprive potential readers of an enjoyable experience if we tried to say 
that it's for a particular group and not some other group. Family. I think we picked family as the category for the book. That makes sense. I mean, that's what a good Haggadah is anyway. Um, we just wanted to ask you, what is your Hogwarts house? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my, I think everybody, um, you know, is, is fantasizes about being in Gryffindor. Um, oh. <laughs> no, I was always like, <laughs> you guys go be stupid their, and brave. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm not... I'm not I wouldn't want to be in Slytherin. I'd be, uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to be in Ravenclaw. Um, I think I'm a, a, just a little bit um, more, uh, have a little bit more of an edge to me than what uh, Hufflepuff implies. So that leaves Gryffindor, not because uh, I have the, 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 the bravery um, but because just nothing else seems to fit. That's exactly my rationale. See, we are like the same person. But you can be edgy <laughs> and still be in Hufflepuff at Ravenclaw. I'm just saying. Yeah, my sister is a Hufflepuff, <laughs> and she's one of the edgiest persons I know. Persons, yeah, I was a people. Hufflepuff? Yeah, I was a Hufflepuff. It's groundbreaking. Yeah. I would have to be much more organized and a little more plotting to be, <laughs> to be a Hufflepuff. Uh, yeah, it's complicated. Have, have you have you taken the Pottermore test? I have not. I, I I don't really get too into the uh, the paraphernalia side. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a pygmy puff, though. We do. <laughs> I named it Tribble. Named it Tribble. Oh, that's funny. Have, but most of the, the stuff that we have, the, the the merchandise and so forth, was as gifts. Yeah. Although I kids. did once buy a tri wizard cup, um, but I bought it to show that I had been in Orlando, um, albeit not at the Harry Potter uh, exhibit. I was in the airport, <laughs> <laughs> and that was as close as I got, because I was at a rabbinic conference. And all I could do was salivate about being so close, but unable to get to the Harry Potter experience. Oh, so no. I bought the Triwizard Cup just to sort of, like, fake having been there. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rabbi Rosenberg. Um, and if our listeners would like to um, learn more about the book, you can, of course, go to the Amazon page. You can find... Or Saramira's uh, Facebook page. Or Saramira's Facebook page. Or the... Uh, you uh, have an unofficial Hogwarts Hagata Facebook page of itself, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what he meant. Oh, okay, awesome. Got, yeah, it's got over a thousand followers. Ooh... More than, more than nice Jewish fangirls, okay? Yeah, you should redirect <laughs> them from there to us. Yeah. I, I just put on a, a button on the page so that you can go directly from the, the Facebook page to Amazon and buy the book. Okay, terrific. And we're also really happy to announce that we, as we um, you know, very subtly hinted at earlier in the episode, um, are really happy to be giving away a copy of the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. Um, the giveaway will be open from Monday, March 20th to Monday, March 27th, and we will announce the winner on our next episode. Uh, you can enter um, by leaving us a, uh, by following us on Twitter, by liking 
liking us on Facebook or by leaving us an iTunes review or by doing all three. And and there will be a raffle copter to use for all of this on our Facebook page. So go through that. I'll set it up and it'll be live when this episode is up. Yes. And we'll have links everywhere and, and all of that. Um, but again, we would really, really appreciate the iTunes reviews as always. And as for us at Nice Jewish Fangirls, uh, SM, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Facebook on my personal page. Also, I am basically running the uh, the Hogwarts Haggadah page, the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah page. And I also have my own Amazon author page. So you can go there and then you can buy the book. And tomorrow, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes, and my most recent articles can be found on Billboard.com and PasteMag.com. I write about Korean music and Broadway. So if you actually want to read about Puffs the Play, which is about Hufflepuffs at a certain school, um, you can go read that. I just interviewed the I just interviewed the writer from that. And since I'm the only one whose current obsession had nothing to do with Harry Potter, I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> no, that play is really, really really something we should maybe see if we can have them on because i i have a very special place in my heart for that play uh and if you'd like to find me online you can find me at ink as rain on twitter and you can find my writing at hypeable.com you can also email us at nice jewish fangirls at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at jewish fangirls you can find us on facebook at nice jewish fangirls and of course you can always find us at jewishcoffeehouse.com so that is it for episode 10 of Nice Jewish Fangirls. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, hopefully next time we record, it will be a little bit warmer than it was today. Fingers crossed. It's not going to be. I just saw that someone who I used, one of the weathermen I used to work with at NBC just said, next 10 days are going to be not spring-like. You know what? <sighs> Sorry. I am not Macabell. <laughs> just as surely as we had a blizzard today. Well, he was wrong about the blizzard, sort of. He, like, kept on posting things that made him, like, that it wasn't reliant on his opinion. <laughs> so it was very funny. <laughs> like, he posted, like, the European model next to the American one. So he's like, in case you were wondering, we'll probably have a blizzard, but we might not. So he was hedging his bets. But on this one, he wasn't. So I'm guessing it's not going to be very warm anytime soon. But that'd be great if it would be. <sighs> well, until next time, live long and prosper, everybody. 